You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The question is, is it a symphony or is it jazz? Now, you may wonder, what is he talking about? What's a symphony? What's jazz? Well, let me explain. It has something to do with this week's Parsha, of course. The explanation goes back to an old argument that I have with a colleague of mine, old, a former colleague with, a, which, with whom I worked for quite a number of years, Rabbi Nathan Lopez Cordoza. He had a famous essay, which is in one of his books. Uh, the book is called Crisis, Covenant, and Creativity. And in that essay, which actually dates from before the book, there's a, an essay called Halakha's Symphony. So Rabbi Cardoza actually develops a beautiful metaphor in that essay, comparing halakha to symphonic music. And to cut to the quick, essentially what he says is that in the same way that each proper musician will interpret the same notes in a different way and and sometimes radically different way, so too is every Jew expected to interpret the notes of halakha uh, completely differently. And that the creativity, as per the title of the book, comes not in the raw matter, in the metaphor, the notes, the notes are always the same, but rather in the interpretation of the notes, what one does with the notes. And for what it is, the metaphor is quite nice. Uh, The beef that I have with Rabbi Cordozo is that the metaphor, as we indicated, would tell us that the notes are always the same. Now, perhaps Rabbi Cordozo didn't mean that, but on some level, uh, I think that's the standard understanding of halakha that one size fits all and one has to look into the appropriate books. And from these books, one gets the appropriate answer. Now, obviously, that's a simplification, something that anybody who's heard other discussions of mine on halakha will know to be false. But there is a basic truth to at least as far as the common perception that the halakha is pretty much set, let's say, with, with some things that are um, more obvious halakha that's not that's not new, uh, be it the laws of Shabbat, the basic laws of Shabbat, turning on a fire, for example, um, and certainly that there there are uh, things that are certainly set in stone. Um, but in any case, the metaphor creates a certain sense of uh, of frozenness. That yes. The creativity, there's room for creativity in the individual interpretation of how one plays the notes, but the notes are always the same. Now, my argument was that to compare halakha, Jewish law, to a set of notes that remain the same is on some level missing or misunderstanding the whole nature of what Jewish law is meant to be about. And I compare it instead of to a classical symphony uh, to what we all know as jazz music. 
let me explain a little bit what I mean about this. And, and really to explain, there's three uh, ways, as far as I know, three ways of dealing with music. Number one is to compose your own music, right? There's nothing that exists. It's all, um, you're, you're dealing with, with totally raw material. You're dealing with notes in the same way as uh, <clears throat> we who are speaking or writing or dealing with a, a list of words or letters, if you want. But certainly, let's uh, speak about words and ideas. There's an almost unlimited supply of words and ideas out there, and the person writing will put them together as they feel uh, happy with doing, right? So the same thing would be true of music. A person, a composer, right, will come to his laboratory and uh, decide what notes he's going to include in his composition. This is completely original. And this, I would say, is clearly not something that we can have as a metaphor to halakha, that simply a person has an unlimited set of possibilities and one simply chooses according to their individual tastes. The second type of uh, music is, is the example that was presented by Rabbi Cardozo in terms of a symphony. And um, this is really true not only of classical music, this is true of most music, um, meaning performance music, that one has uh, set notes, if, it's, if there's lyrics as well, the lyrics are set, and one simply plays them as best one can. And, and granted, as Rabbi Cordoza pointed out quite well, that there is uh, much room for individuality within this. Be that as it may, there is also a tremendous amount of constraint, meaning that um, the, the notes do remain the notes and the words remain the words. The third type of music is somewhere in between. That's what is known as jazz music. And that's a type of music wherein we have room for improvisation, but that improvisation is not the same as that of a composer. A composer improvises completely in the sense that everything is open. The jazz musician will come to a composition, uh, or at least the basis of a composition, that's set, there's certain notes. Uh, in fact, sometimes jazz musicians will, will take a, a classical uh, song or, or popular song and turn it into a, a jazz piece. Now, what does that mean and how does it work with a jazz piece? Well, jazz piece will have certain themes and there's certain uh, tools, certain things that a jazz musician can do with those themes, but essentially the, the themes provide the general outline of the music that's going to be played, where, and, and, and as far as the rest of the piece, there's room for improvisation, again, not free for all, generally speaking, although there is a room for that as well. But classically, uh, a jazz piece will uh, re retain a certain sense of the form of the theme and will um, use that theme to... Uh, to, to, de to develop the, the music. And here, every jazz musician will be playing something completely different, unless, of course, one wants to present a jazz piece as a, um, as a performance piece, which has also been done. I, I know there's an interesting rendition, for example, of, uh, of the Cone Concert, 
um, done by other people just following the same notes as was originally played, um, which is which is an interesting twist. But be that as it may, the 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 point I'm trying to make here is that jazz music will take a general outline and work within these outlines. So as opposed to the symphon- the symphony or a popular song, um, there are there's much more freedom. There the the performer can choose notes that were not given to him, um, many many notes that were not given to him. On the other hand, there is uh, restraints and there is a form, and there are boundaries within which the musician needs to play. In other words, gen- again, generally speaking, for jazz musicians simply to uh, take the theme and then forget about it and, and ignore it completely is not generally working within the contours of, uh, of traditional jazz. In any case, what I want to say, and what I say to Rabbi Cardozo and, and to the, the metaphor of jazz symphony, is uh, halacha, excuse me, as a symphony, is that a halacha is actually much more like a jazz composition, or jazz performance rather, than it is to symphonic music. And this week's Parsha, uh, I have a, an essay from the, the beginning of Parsha Kadoshim, who understands the mitzvah of Kadoshim to you, of you should be holy, to be pretty much along those lines, without uh, giving away the Dvar Torah uh, that you will find, as usual, in, in the normal places that I mentioned, the Jewish press, and in uh, and, and one can get this by subscription, email. In any case, the idea that the Nitziv presents is that this mitzvah of becoming holy is something that's going to differ with every individual. Here, too, he's not saying that it's a free-for-all and that one can do interpret holiness in any way one wants, but the general outlines are there. The general outlines are to restrict one's choices, to lift one's personality higher, right? As far as the specifics, that will depend on the cultural, economic, uh, physical context of, of the individual. So the Nitziv say in terms of Kedusha, in terms of this mitzvah of holiness, that uh, while there are contours, there is a tremendous amount of leeway for the individual. And I think that this idea can be applied to halacha as a whole that even the Nitziv is specifically speaking about Kedusha, and certainly there are hard and fast rules within the Halakha, the idea of Halakha, I would argue, is to get the individual to be fine-tuned to understand what the Halakha requires of him or her. That every person will have differences in terms of what is required of them. And granted, we know that uh, poskim, and I've spoken about this as well, that poskim will give different decisions to different people in different circumstances. 
nonetheless, I think that we leave this at the door of the posek of the halachic decisor. And granted, you know, we're dealing with serious business here, and, and it's not something that an amateur can simply uh, play uh, without having any sense of what they're playing, the same, the same way as a jazz musician needs to have some training. So certainly there's a requirement for some training in halakha, understanding how the system works, understanding what the system says, what the contours are. But the ideal is to understand how to fine-tune and move within the halakha, not to repeat the same notes, but rather to find the notes that will work for the individual within the contours of halakha. It's so important to have proper metaphors. Much of Jewish thought, certainly um, in the Talmudic period, right? Talmud is famous for its midrashim, also in the biblical period. Um, Less so as Jews became more philosophical and started explaining ideas uh, in abstract fashion as opposed to through the metaphor. But metaphors speak to a much larger section of the audience in a much more powerful way, which is why the metaphor is so central to the Jewish tradition. So it's important to have good metaphors, and that's why I would suggest that we think of halakha as jazz. Obviously, it can be dangerous to think in that way, and one has to really investigate both what that means and also whether one has the proficiency to be the jazz musician, to be the person who is able to play the halakha as it's supposed to be played. I want to suggest one other metaphor when we're speaking about good metaphors. I think that in the field of music, we just we just had two possible understandings, and I supported one over the other. I think that there's, in the realm of literature, there are two possibilities here also. And I think we're dealing with the same, ultimately with the same uh, dichotomy. The traditional approach to the Shulchan Aruch or any other law code is to view it as a script, right? A script like the symphony or the popular song that's going to be recited is going to have all of the words that we're going to say we're not to add, right? If we add something or take away from it, we're botching it. Um, granted, sometimes improvisation has turned out to be brilliant, but by and large, that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for improvisation, and if it is, we try, if there is improvisation, we try to limit it as much as possible. So we have a script, and perhaps the Shulchan Aruch can be viewed as a script. Certainly, I would argue many people, most people, vast majority of people, look at it that, that way. Um, I would suggest that a more appropriate metaphor for the books of Halakha, like the Shulchan Aruch, is a guidebook. A guidebook, again, sets up criteria for how to understand Halakha, how to work with it, how to set up uh, an understanding of the various variables that play into the halakha in various situations. But each person creates a unique situation, and that's why the Shulchan Aruch cannot provide the answer for every situation, for every individual. It's not meant to do that. It's meant to be a guide. It's meant to help us understand what is going to be correct for me now. And ultimately, 
That guidebook is to give you the background for you to make the decision yourself. Again, we're not suggesting some sort of radical approach to halakha. Halakha has guidelines. You're just going to have to work with those guidelines, just like jazz music has guidelines. We're not speaking about wildness. What we are speaking about is that the nature of these guidebooks was never meant to be something that we look at for every situation, but rather ultimately an educational tool, a tool with which to work, by which a person can advance spiritually and religiously uh, given their specific situation. And this, by the way, is, a, is an issue, uh, of course, with any law code. But the difference between the Shulchan Aruch and a standard law code, where obviously there's going to be some give and take um, in any, situ- in any uh, given legal system for individual situations, the Shulchan Aruch is ultimately uh, driven by a goal, and that goal is a religious and spiritual goal, much more in, in the vast majority of the Shulchan Aruch, much more than simply a legal code to uh, make sure that people don't hurt each other and that society doesn't fall apart. Much more important to the Shulchan Aruch is our advancing ourselves religiously and spiritually to becoming more complete, better people that are created in the image of God, and commune with God. So, that's the way we should look at halakha. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.